2: And welcome to another live edition of the Work-Life Balance. So glad uh, that you could be here. Uh, thank you for those of you that tuned in to the replay last week. Uh, I apologize for the replay last week, but what a great replay it was as we had Brittany Wagner on the show from Last Chance You. What a great show that was. If you missed it, uh, you can catch that, obviously, on our replays. You can go to rickamorris.com, uh, click on the Work-Life Balance tab, and go listen to that show uh, she was a fantastic guest. We had a lot of fun with her. And, of course, Last Chance you second season is going to be coming out soon. Uh, if you haven't seen that show, it's definitely something that you need to go check out. Uh, it absolutely has a lot of the values that we preach and profess here at, at, at the Work-Life Balance. What a crazy week. So, you know, uh, as far as appearances and that kind of stuff, not so many. I got a, a chance to actually be home all week, which was a, a rarity for me. Uh, as we're getting to uh, prepared to visit one of our favorite sponsors, which is CA Technologies. Uh, CA World is going to be going on uh, November 14th through the 18th out in Las Vegas. We'll be appearing there. I'll be speaking several times out there, talking about uh, the total application lifecycle management that we talk about, uh, about uh, agile management, project management. It's one of the biggest conferences that we go to and participate in, so hopefully a lot of the listeners will be out there. Come find us. Uh, we'll be out there that entire time. So we'll be in Las Vegas that whole time. And uh, we're actually looking potentially to do the show live from Vegas if we're still standing by Friday uh, after that whole uh, conference. So come find us. We We look forward to seeing you guys out there today. I'm really, really excited, though gentleman we found to, to, to join us has made it his life's work to deliver powerful ideas and practical solutions to individuals around the world so they can achieve more of what is most important to them. His books are described as illuminating, and his presentations are unforgettable. In his 21 years as a speaker and trainer, he's helped countless people regain confidence in their ability to achieve greater success in work and life. So you can see why we sought him out to be a part of this program. He has a 3P approach of powerful ideas connected to practical solutions delivered with a personal approach which has attracted the attention of organizations around the world. His client list includes Federal Express, Walmart, Choice Hotels, Volkswagen, Bridgestone, Saudi Aramco, State Farm, as well as the United States Navy and Air Force. So when he started looking for ways to expand the reach of his message, he started to become an author. And so he's got several books out there. Juggling Elephants is one of those, and I just finished reading that one. It's a fantastic book. Uh, Getting to the Blue Ribbon. He's got one called Getting to It. And he's got a new book that's going to be coming out in January 2017 called Always Growing. Prior to becoming an internationally recognized speaker, he was an educator, and his past work also includes serving as a trainer of trainers for the best-selling book, Who Moved My Cheese? He also holds a Bachelor of Science, an MAED uh, from North Carolina State University, and a member of the National Speakers Association, as well as the Association for Talent Development. He believes the key to success is being passionate about certain things in life, including family, spiritual beliefs, career, and relationships. He's active in his community, and because of his commitment to improving the lives of others, he's been presented the Distinguished Service Award by the Charlotte JCS. So, really, really distinguished gentleman. We're certainly excited to have him on, and and without further ado, let's please welcome Jones Laughlin to the show. Jones, how are you doing, sir?
3: I'm doing fantastic today, especially after an introduction like that. Living up to that will be uh, difficult in our hour together, but uh, thrilled to be on your show and glad there is someone like you out promoting this whole idea of uh, the work-life balance because it's harder and harder every day to uh, be passionate about uh, all those things in life that are important.
2: And we're certainly going to get to your platform, but in speaking to that platform of work-life balance and why we even started this, as a project manager, which is what I do for a living, and certainly what I've noticed in time… You know, nights and weekends and and this whole thing of being over allocated that that used to be something that was reserved for really important projects, you know, times where we really just had to put the pedal to the metal. Uh, And now it's just, you know, that seems to be daily life and daily activity. Are you noticing that quite a bit as well?
3: Absolutely, and I think there's you know, a number of reasons when I'm when I'm delivering uh, training on the topic, uh, and I ask, you know, what are the five reasons why we seem to not have the ebb and flow that you just talked about, and now it's just always on. Uh, you know, people always start with saying things like technology, and certainly technology has had a huge impact on those uh, after hours, uh, we might say, uh, work. Uh, but, you know, there's expectations that, that we've placed upon ourselves and that others place upon us. There's a whole host of reasons, but... Absolutely, just finding room to breathe or to relax or just to just to stop and go, okay, uh, let's focus on, on celebrating what we are getting done uh, at work as opposed to the, just looking at that tsunami of work coming at us all the time and going, I'm just overwhelmed, I, I don't know whether to do something or just sit here and <laughs> scream.
2: Yeah, for a living, I ask executives, do you pick projects on, on what you can spend or, or based on what you can achievably do? And, right most of the time that they're, they're just perplexed by that question. So I find that fascinating. But so, you know, you you have this whole platform, though, around decision fatigue, which I, I think plays into that whole, not only just decisions of projects and decisions of what we're going to do every day, but I mean, just daily life. Talk to me a little bit about what you mean by decision fatigue.
3: Sure. Um, you know, depending on what, what sources you look at or, or, or where you, you go to find some information on it, you know, it's been estimated we make thousands upon thousands of decisions every day, and and every one of those decisions requires, you know, some energy to be used, And, and I'm a firm believer that, you know, it's not just about managing our time, it's about managing our, our physical, mental, and emotional energy so that we can focus on right things. And so as we're making all these decisions uh, during the day, uh, we have less energy to make decisions about those more important things uh, that we need to, to work on or the things that we need to focus on to, to get our most important work done and to be our best selves outside of work.
2: And so, you know, each one of these decisions, you say zaps our energy. And, and so can you give me an example where I might see decision fatigue show up in, in my day?
3: Sure. Sure. Um- Let's imagine it's a, a typical day at work and you've spent the morning checking email, responding to messages, uh, and talking with coworkers about, you know, different things. Let's just say that it's, you know, it's normal work routine. Uh, each one of those actions required you to make a decision about whether you are going to talk to this person or not, how long are you going to let the conversation go on, uh, how long are you going to spend in your email. Uh, all those things require you to make decisions. You, you're worn down more now, and if you're not careful, you'll spend the, the rest of the day... Uh, Making work decisions about what's the easiest thing to do versus what do I really need to focus on that would would move me forward, and and the reason is is because you you just don't have the the, the mental energy to really focus now, and so you're just trying to check things off a list uh, without that energy.
2: Now, do you do you couple this at all with with talking about personality profiles at all?
3: Oh, certainly there, I don't spend a lot of time with that, but we, uh, you could certainly correlate it with uh, any of those personality styles because there are some that, uh, for example, I work a lot with education groups and, uh, teachers, uh, are those rare individuals who are always so giving of their time resources to others because, I mean, that's what they do, spend a lot of their time doing. And it's amazing how, uh, because of just the giving of their their time all day helping others making decisions about whether they 're going to help this person or that person by the time they get home, they often have so little left to give their family because they 've just been giving to other people all day, and they have no energy left uh, to take care of themselves uh, when they get home
2: yeah and i and I teach and, and train as well, and we talk about when you 're working outside of your personality, it tends to drain your energy a little yeah. bit faster as well, so if i 'm morphing yeah morphing my personality beyond your know, if, if i'm trying to be a high if, if you look at disc profile for example and, and i don't necessarily subscribe to one over the other, but right. if i'm looking at disc profile and i and I'm trying to be more of that dominant personality but but me i'm a high influential personality mm-hmm. then then that tends to zap that personality more and so you come home exhausted, but you didn't do anything physical that day
3: right right and and part of that you know, you said it so well, if, if I'm that individual who tends to uh, want to focus on, on tasks or I'm very analytical or something like that, uh, but yet I've spent my day where I've been, like you said, interacting with people, having conversations that were I'm just not as comfortable with, then I, I have drained my energy. And if I'm not careful, I don't even have now the energy to focus on those, those analytical things that I'm normally good at because I've drained my energy so much by all the decisions I've been making.
2: So do, do you suggest people journal or, or look at things like that and try to uh, chart energy or, or try to find you know where those those peaks and valleys are in their energy?
3: I think we have some natural rhythms. Uh, the research certainly shows that some of us, uh, you know, have more energy when we're more creative in the morning. Some of us tend to, to be more, you know, have more mental energy in the evening. So I think that's part of the process. I also think that, that you've got to examine, you know, what drains your energy? What, what, uh, gives you energy? And I actually encourage people to chart that, uh, to where, you know, make a chart of what drains and what energizes you so they can begin to look at how do I rearrange my day so that I'm not just spending time with things that are draining my energy, but I'm also spending some time with things that that nourish me, that refresh my energy, so that I have uh, a better ability to make good decisions as I go throughout the whole day.
2: Yeah, and my my listeners know I'm a a part of the John Maxwell team, and and we work with John Maxwell quite a bit. He's actually got a book that's coming out in March now, uh, February or March of this coming year, And, and he's got a whole section about plugging in. Uh, wow. in, in finding out what actually amps up that energy, of it, whether it's music or yeah. you know talking to friends or whatever that may be, but trying to find uh, that source that will actually amp that energy up.
3: Oh, I think that's so important because we just get busy. And as I say, we we put our heads down and we try to check off the 37 items on our list. We never stop to go, wait a minute, how is my choice to work on this task? Or, you know, what am I doing to to replenish what's missing uh, in my day? We never look at those factors in how we plan our day.
2: Yeah, and we tend to replenish our bodies, right? We feel hungry, so we go get food. We feel thirsty, we go get water. But when we drain that energy, we don't necessarily replenish that.
3: Exactly. That's that so true is that we just, we just assume we have an unlimited amount of, of, of resources there, and they're just as limited uh, as our physical resources are.
2: Well, that's awesome. We're going to actually take our first break here. We're going to uh, listen uh, to some of our sponsors. But while we're doing that, if you go and visit joneslaughlin.com, you can pick up some of those great books that we were talking about. Also, you can tweet at Jones Laughlin. That's J-O-N-E-S-L-O-F-L-I-N. So jonesloflin.com or tweet him at, at Jones Laughlin, uh to find out more about his services, what he can bring to your organization, or to pick up one of his fantastic books. Do that while we're on break, or you can listen to some of our sponsors while they're there, and we'll be right back at you on the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris.
1: Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery?
0: Every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy.
1: allow r-squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment visit r-squared today
2: from the boardroom to you voice america
0: business network
1: you are tuned in to the work-life balance to reach rick morris or his guest today we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance.
2: And we're back to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're visiting with Jones Laughlin. He's the author of Juggling Elephants, as well as several other books. Got a new book coming out in January that we can't wait to read. And we've been discussing about decision fatigue. And uh, so, Jones, coming back, um, how would you suggest that uh, someone structure their workday to be able to make better decisions and kind of you know, get away from some of this decision fatigue? I
3: think it starts, uh, Rick, with people you know, trying as much as possible to make your most important decisions early in the day when your mental energy uh, is at its highest. If you think about the way a lot of us approach uh, work, it's the first thing we do in the morning is we jump into our email uh, or even some of the social media. And while those are certainly tools of what we do, uh, when you jump into your email, there are decisions to make about, oh, I need to send that person information or, oh, I need to set up an appointment with that person. And certainly you want to do those things but why not use that that high mental energy for more important more complex uh, tasks or activities or projects that you need to work on instead of draining it so quickly on on mundane things where you can make those decisions later um i think another approach literally is to make less decisions um, look at what decisions you can make without having to think about making them um you know, I talk about, and in my training programs, I talk about even little things like having the same thing for breakfast every day and limiting your wardrobe choices uh, helps conserve that energy for bigger decisions. Um, I joke sometimes, you know, I have the same thing for, for breakfast every day during the week when I'm home. I, I have a protein shake and because I know exactly how long it takes to make that protein shake. I don't have to go, okay, I think I'll have uh, uh, some scrambled eggs and bacon today. Or, you know what, I think I'll have some oatmeal today. or I, Because when you start down that path, you start making all these little small, decisions that, that really aren't that important I mean certainly we would, wouldn't want to go oh I'm gonna have a you know a pepperoni pizza for breakfast versus a protein shake but it's 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 really limiting your need to make so many small decisions uh, so you can conserve that energy for more important uh, decisions even I mean even you know you talked about the election uh, a little bit earlier uh, President Barack Obama has two color suits so that he doesn't have to you know okay which color you know which color suit am I going to wear today Steve Jobs I mean <laughs> the Essential, you know the the black turtleneck and the jeans so if you don't have to make uh you know minor decisions you can cons- you can save that energy for the major stuff
2: well, i think that's interesting certainly a cultural shift for me is i if as i think about trying to put that into practice i mean the first thing i do literally when i roll out of bed is grab my phone and look at my email and right. there's normally you know 35 40 emails sitting there waiting for me and i start to respond kind of before i've even fully you know woken up and so uh, but but that that's been a habit for a long time and sometimes that even affects my mood you know as i'm starting to roll into my day so you're saying put that down don't even get there and and you know address that later after i've gotten the kids to school and everything else
3: yeah, as much as it's possible. There are some people who are in a service environment who need to check those emails first thing in the morning because there are people depending on them to to respond in a, in a timely manner. But I think too often that it's so easy just to pick up that device and, of course, our devices are geared to um, focus our attention with alerts and notifications. And so we say, oh, look, you know, I've got this going on in social media. I've got this going on in my email. And, and I think, too, uh, something I, uh, I'd read about, I thought was fascinating. There's this thing called uh, social media envy, and, and and stay with me here because I thought it was goofy too. But, but it's it's this thing where if you start looking at, let's say Facebook first thing in the morning, and you're 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 before you're going to work, and you're kind of flipping through it, and you go, oh look, uh, there's Rick, man, look, oh Rick's on vacation uh, with his wife, and then you start going, wow. I'm so busy, I haven't been on a vacation in three months, I haven't taken a day off from the office, or, oh look, you know, there's, there's Rick with his, uh, um, his children, you know, man, he's having a great time, wow, I've been working so late, lately, I haven't had any time to, to spend time with my kids, and, and even though we, we need that kick in the seat of the pants, it's not a good way to start your day, uh, because you start the day feeling defeated already, because you're going, oh I, oh, I really need to change some things, and do some things differently, and so you're, you're losing energy before you've even started your day, so if you can start your day, focusing on your priorities and and using that energy wisely. I just think it's a better course of action to take.
2: And and to, not to be too personal, but you know, I went to I went to high school with a lot of lot of famous people, and I've got the entertainment company, and I, I work in some some of those circles. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't live the life they do, right? So I still have to work very very hard to earn what I have, <laughs> exactly. and, and so. It's not just, you know, oh, look, they're on vacation. You know, it's like, oh, they're sitting on a yacht, you know, riding <laughs> jet skis, you know, earning earning six times what I'm going to earn, you know, it, this hour, what I'm going to earn next month, doing nothing, just getting royalties. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that tends to bother me. And I know also their intellectual capacity. <laughs> so it, it does, you know, you just sit there and go, wow, man, I just I don't know how I got here and they got there. Uh, But, uh, yeah, wow. No, I, I get that, man. That makes total sense. That's not goofy at all. But I think a lot of people do that. I think that they seek to live vicariously through. But I can totally see how that drains that energy or even starts to get you down that negative path before you've even fully started your day.
3: Exactly. I mean and, and we've known this for, for years. I mean, time management experts for years have told us, you know, before you before you leave your office area or work area at the end of the day you should straighten up so you come back to a somewhat orderly um you know, work area, uh, you need to make sure that, you know, you've taken care of, of, of the emails that need to be taken care of before you leave or, or at some point during the day so that you can focus your energy. You know, if you've got distractions in your work area, try to remove those because as as I have found and the more reading that I do from everyone from Kevin Cruz to Brian Tracy to all those people who are talking about these things, it's, it's everything gets off energy. Uh, whether it's it not has to be technology. It's it's the work area. It's the people you talk to. I mean, um, years ago, uh, someone, uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Richard Swenson, wrote a fantastic book called Margin. In fact, it it really had some implications for me on this whole idea of work-life balance. And he said, you know, there's three kinds of people that you're going to interact with during your day. There are the fillers, the F I L L E R S, the people who just you walk away from and you go, wow. You know, they really made me, you know. Feel energized and ready to go take on the world. Then there are the drainers, you know, the people that that just suck the life out of you when you have a conversation, or even when you get an email from them. I mean, we know there are certain people. When we see the their name on an email, we go, Oh no, what do they want? <laughs> uh, then there are the people who just sit there. There are the people who don't really add to your energy, but they don't take it away. And and you know, I think when we start thinking in terms like that, we start going, Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend my day with a lot of drainers. <laughs> and and so thinking about, okay, how can I, you know, replenish that energy during the day? Whether it's, uh, I'm going to plan lunch with someone or I'm going to do something at lunch that really replenishes me or nourishes me. Uh, but just being more proactive about that energy management, I think can help us be so much more productive at work and then still have some, some energy left, uh, when we get home to, to spend with our family.
2: Yeah, this kind of even goes a little bit off topic, but you were just talking about, you know, it's one of my favorite things that I learned in my career. So, you, like everybody else that was was going down the time management path, I went down the Franklin Covey path and, and got yeah. one of those big planners. And, you know, you do your A's and B's and C's and you carry this stuff over to the next day, but you're carrying this baggage. And, and a buddy of mine, you know, got me The Mafia Manager, that little book. I don't know if you ever read that. Uh, it's a small book, and, and the author's name is V. That's it. It's just V. Um, it, it's great. And, and I read this book, but but you know, and I've employed this methodology ever since I got it, but it basically um and, and it's a little tongue in cheek, but my my daily lists are written on a piece of paper that I can throw away. Mm. And so so basically now my activity list, I, I don't write anything on there that I can't accomplish during the day. And when I'm done, that's gone. So I've actually now with technology gone to a boogie board from Brookstone, right, where, where I can just write it down and I hit the button and it erases. But, uh, but that, that's my activity list. I don't carry things forward and I don't have, you know, years worth of baggage that I'm carrying of all the stuff I didn't accomplish. It's, it's here's what I'm going to do today. When I'm done, I hit the button. It's gone. I, oh. I love that. I love that.
3: Oh, and, 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 and I, I love what you're employing there, Rick, because you're acknowledging, you're, you're managing your expectations, which is something that so many of us don't do. A, I often say that, you know, if I look at your task list, I'll bet, you know, if you had three days in a case of Red Bull, you couldn't get it all done. Uh, and that's overwhelming. It's defeating to us. And so I think it is important that we, we acknowledge our limitations, uh, prioritize by, okay, you know, everything has its place. Uh, you know, okay, it's going to take me about an hour to work on that. Where am I going to find it? hour today. It's gonna to take me about thirty minutes to take care of that, doing things like time boxing to say, okay, I've got several small tasks today, where can I drop them in? To be realistic about where we can spend our time in a day is just I think so critical and something a lot of people just don't do.
2: I agree with that. And and you know as the world of Agile even comes up, right, and we start talking, you know, through that path, a lot of us have been employing that, you know, one of the biggest things about Agile in the software development world is people think Agile is new. And it's not. It's just something that we've been doing forever. It's just we didn't operationalize it in the software development world. But I mean, right. there's been a lot of these techniques that have been around forever. Uh, we just didn't formally call it an agile methodology in terms of software development.
3: Exactly. you're so right. Um, it's just it just it's now been explained or people understand it in a way that they can apply
2: it to to new
3: situations.
2: Yeah, but now that you call it a methodology, people can poke fun at it and, and, and hate it. So that's what happens with every methodology that, that, that we put out there. All right, so we're going to take another break. We'll listen to our sponsors again. Go visit joneslaughlin.com or at joneslaughlin. You can find his books on Amazon. Um, find Juggling Elephants is a fantastic one. And, again, we're looking forward to to the next one that's coming out in January. We're going to take another quick break. You're listening to The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today. Software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
1: Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to
2: business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program
2: And we're back and visiting with Jones Laughlin. And as we were talking uh, on the break, it turns out that Jones and I are both – we we have a friend in common in John Watson. So let me give a a shout-out to Mr. Watson because I know he listens to the show. So when he eventually gets around to listening to this one, big shout-out to Mr. Watson, man. We love you, brother, and uh, hope to be talking to you soon. Uh, As we come back, uh, uh, Jones, you know – it's interesting as we're talking about decision fatigue, and one of the things that I noticed as I started to go up through my career, I you know ran a company called Highmark Technology for a while before I started R Squared, and you know, I would go on the road, and I'd deal with clients, and I'd come back to my office, and I'd have 15 people waiting in my office, and it was just... <laughs> Rapid fire, man. It was just, yeah. you know, it was crazy. And and by the time I'd walk out of there, I, I felt like I ran a marathon. So, I mean, does it seem like those that are in leadership and management positions, you know, suffer more from decision fatigue than than, than others? Is that oh, fair? Yeah. Oh,
3: absolutely, because they're not only making choices about their own work, but they, they've got other people coming to them, just like you, wanting, you know, wanting your input and, and help with making the right decision. And, and you add in people who are, are new in an organization, and it just becomes an exponential challenge not just to get overwhelmed by all the decisions and, and helping other people make decisions. Um, that's why I think it's so important that, that leaders and managers look for ways to empower their people to the fullest extent possible possible uh, how many decisions can you get them to make without involving you because then that allows you to be much more strategic uh, than tactical or reactive to a situation but so many leaders and managers don 't do that they, they they want people to come to them or they feel like they 're going to make the wrong decision and, and certainly they need you know people need to be coached they need to be mentored they need to be trained but you know how many decisions can you give away? Uh, for the people who report to you to make, so that you really can look at the bigger picture and be more objective about a situation. I just, I, I think it's, it's something that leaders um, are just going to have to get better at if they really want to excel in whatever industry or you know path they're on.
2: Yeah, I think the the favorite quote I ever heard is, I, I took over a, a failing project when I met with that that project manager. Uh, you know, I said, what do you think is going wrong? And, and he said, uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes I ever heard, he said, you know, the only thing this project needs is about 15 more of me. Ooh. <laughs> so, wow, oh. I think, think I know what the problem is. <laughs> I think the problem <laughs> is you, partner. I think the problem is you.
3: Yeah, So, and and, and to your point, wouldn't it you know, for me, or I think for a lot of people, if, if you ha- were in a situation where you're managing a team and you had to step away for three or four days or even a week or something, and you come back and people aren't running to you saying, oh, we need your help with this, all these things, what if they, you came back and they went, oh, you're back? Like, like, I mean, because you had so trained them and empowered them that they could run things on their own. Uh, some managers and leaders are scared to death. They could say, oh, gosh, they don't need me. Yeah, they do. They need you to be casting vision. They need you to be looking at where we're going six months, one year from now, and, and helping look for ways to help them grow. Um, I just think that uh, it would help so many more leaders be more effective if they kind of took that approach.
2: And I think a lot of that has to do with ego, and and, and I, <laughs> yeah. But but it's true, and, and yeah, I think yeah, if you look yeah. in your career, and we all all you know, successful leaders, managers, certainly entrepreneurs, found that spot in their career where that moment happened. And I mean, I know where that moment happened for me. I I, I was at GE. I was running a large account, and, and I can tell you the, the the tale of two vacations. I I did go on a vacation where I wasn't able to take vacation because my phone wouldn't stop ringing. We mm-hmm. you know, I was running a client account. Yeah, I had nine people working for me and, and every single decision came to my phone. And, and, you know, my wife was mad at me. I was mad. It was frustrating because I, I couldn't take the time off. It You know, fast forward two years later where that was an empowered team and I'd grown in my leadership to where I was able to truly, you know, fully take that vacation and coming back. It, it wasn't that they needed me. It was it was time for me to move on. It was time for me to move up. And, and, and the, the company recognized it. I recognized it and, and was able to move up the ladder. But it was there was that moment when I came back from that second vacation, where it was like I get it, you know, I I feel it now. I get it, and I think that people have to 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 let go of the ego, though, because I I think I very much was early on the egomaniac of you know I am in charge, I am running this joint, right? you, (laughs) You have to let that go.
3: Oh, you do. I mean, the mark of uh, you know to me, the mark of a successful leader is when things run smoothly. The people you've brought on board, the people you've trained, you've guided, you've encouraged, uh, can make decisions, good decisions, the right decisions, uh, without you there. I mean, I I, to me, that's just one of those moments when you go, "Ah, I know. Uh, for me as an educator, uh, I'll never forget, I, I used to do a lot of, uh, small project work with students in, uh, a lab environment, uh, and it was amazing how, you know, for a while, like you say, it felt good when the students said, Mr. Lawton, I need your help with this. Mr. Lawton, I need your help with this. I'll never forget the moments when I, when I would be standing there and no student was asking me for help because they were all working independently on their own, uh, and I would kind of go, wow. This is nice, uh, and it allowed me to really evaluate, you know, what each of one of them were doing instead of just trying to put out fires uh, of, of what was going wrong in the moment. So, uh, congratulations on on having, you know, like I say the tale of two vacations. Congratulations on on having the second one uh, that allowed you to see the value of that.
2: For sure. So, what's interesting about all that, right? Is is you know, I feel like. All day, every day, that's all I do is make decisions. And, you know, when I, yeah, you know, I work out of my home office now. So when I, when I come downstairs, I feel like then I go into a decision moratorium. Like I can't even decide what I want for dinner. <laughs> it, it, right. It, it, and the kids are looking at me and my wife's like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Sure. I don't <laughs> care. I, I could care less. Right. And so, I mean, it's, it, is it fair? I mean, we battled this decision fatigue at work but, I mean, what are some of those suggestions to reduce it at home? I mean, like, I don't want to – I don't care what I watch on TV. I don't care what I eat. I don't care where I sit. <laughs> I'm done. Like, I do not want to make a single decision from, you know, 7 p.m. until I wake up the next morning.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, it's funny whenever you, you say that because I I will sometimes ask people in a, in a training environment. I'll say, okay, how many of you have left work and you've went, <sighs> What are we going to do for dinner? you know what are we and I said, and you just you just literally like you said, a moratorium, you just literally don't want to make any decisions, and so I think. One of the, you know, let's just use your example of meals for a moment. You know, I think one of the things you can do is, you know, plan the meals in advance. Uh, you know, the weekend prior, uh, you know, there are some people who uh, take a Saturday or sometime on a Saturday or Sunday and kind of map out their, their meal plan for the week and, uh, you know, and, and, and try to go ahead and purchase the items they're going to need for the week at the grocery store that weekend so that they don't have to worry. Um, you know, setting the same meal plan for every week. You know, what's wrong with having Taco Tuesday every week? I mean, let the weekends be the time you're creative and create some Food Network-worthy, you know, five-course meal or something like that, you know, just as long as you're getting the food groups and the nourishment, what's wrong with eating the same thing every Tuesday night or every Thursday? Because, again, it allows you not to have to make those decisions so that you can literally enjoy more time with your family. You can focus on, on okay, I just want to relax. I don't want to have to make any decisions. Um, one that I heard, now this is not necessarily just a home environment kind of one, but one I just thought was so cool, was like when you go out to eat at a restaurant. You know, you go and, of course, menus now in many restaurants are like this 12-page this almanac of options. And it said, one of the first things you should do, when you go in and you sit down, you open that menu, you immediately go, what are three choices here that I could, that I could enjoy? What are three uh, and and so then you only look at those three choices. You don't let your mind wander to the others. And it's much easier to make a decision when you've only got, you know, three choices to make versus, you know, 10 or 15. Uh, or use a filter, you know, when you're making decisions. Okay, I want something quick. Okay, well, those options would be this. Or, you know, I'd really like to have this. Okay, then what options would those be? So I think there's a lot of things we can do. Uh, there's things for family activities, uh, exercise. But the key is what can I have automatically happen without me thinking about it uh, that still gets the, the activity or the task accomplished.
2: And I think it's interesting as you bring up the menu option, right? So one of my favorite uh, restaurants of all time is, is the Red Bar, which is in, in, in northeast Florida. It's down in Destin, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, re- well, really near seaside, but still, you, you go there, and, and the menu's on the chalkboard. You got four. Oh, items. I love that. You got four choices, right? <laughs> and, but you, when you first see that, you feel robbed. You feel like, dude, <laughs> where, where's my 142 choices that I, yeah. I'm going to make? But they do want you know those four items extremely well. Yeah, you know, sure. they, they do one of four things very well, and, and so I relate that back to one of my favorite people on the planet, which is Marcus Lamonas, right? The prophet. Mm-hmm and, and that 's what you see him do in any restaurant or any business he goes into is the first thing he does is limit the skews and, wow. and make sure that they do those skews very very well
3: mm. oh and what what a great uh, analogy for for our work uh, you know going back to work for just a moment or or anything that we go about is limiting your options uh, to just a few so you can do those things well and, and that 's part of our you know, the work-life balance conundrum is that we think we have to do everything well, uh, and the reality is we don't. You know, we, we there's a few things we need to focus on and do really well. The rest of them can be done mediocre or not at all, uh, and we forget that sometimes. And, in, in fact, I had a great comment from a participant one time when I was talking about the work-life uh, balance issue and about how we can't get it all done. He says, yeah, sometimes you just have to ask yourself, what are you going to fail at? And I looked at him kind of funny, and of course, you know, with our mentality as Americans, we're like, oh, no, you don't want to fail anything. And I says, talk to me about that, Warren. And he says, well, yeah, sometimes you got to figure out what you're going to fail at so you succeed at something else. And it was interesting because after that experience, I'd come home, and, and if you come to my home in North Carolina, and any, any of you are welcome anytime, just give me 30 minutes to uh, uh, get the house in order before you get here, um, then my, my lawn looks awful. I mean, I, this time of year especially. I mean, there's weeds, there's bare spots. Uh, it just doesn't look good. I don't spend a lot of time taking care of my lawn. Uh, that's weird because... My background is I'm a former horticulture teacher, and, and I had a, some friends over that weekend, and one of my friends was kind of ribbing me and said, you know, Jones, your, your lawn doesn't look too great. Aren't you a former horticulture teacher? Didn't you used to teach people how to do this stuff? And I'm like, yeah. And I thought of Warren's comment, and I looked at him and I said, I'm growing kids right now. I'll grow grass in the future. And, oh. and, and he, just, he just looked at me, kind of funny. And that's one of those few moments when I was witty, because I'm not a witty person. But I think that's so true: is that you know, you got to decide. You know what? I'm not going to do a good job at that, uh, and I'm not even going to attempt it because it's not important. I'm going to focus on those things that are most important: those, those, those three or four or five or ten SKUs, as you said, that um, that I can uh, produce or create or manufacture. Uh, and the other things, you know what? I'm just going to not focus on those
2: you know what's interesting is what we try to teach businesses certainly what i try to teach businesses to do well is is what we tend to not focus on our own lives right so if i look at portfolio management you you list all the ideas and everything that you want to accomplish for 2017 but then you turn around and say back to the the comment i made earlier in the program are, are you doing this based on what you can spend or what you can achievably do oh yeah and then you turn around and 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 say okay Well, we can do all of these things and not do them well, or we can focus on the the things that we can focus on and do, you know, 20 projects very well and accomplish them and and be successful, or we can try to do 60 projects and not get any of them done.
3: Oh, oh yeah, um yeah. And one of, my, one of my concepts that I teach about, about change and about and leadership is this concept of pruning. That So often uh, leaders need to prune their schedules. They need to prune what they're working on because they're just growing in so many different directions. They really can't create the fruit, you know, the outcome they're looking for because they're spending so much time just maintaining the limbs and the leaves. And um, About that, when I was doing some initial research, I'd read Walter Isaacson's book about Steve Jobs. And uh, uh, it was fascinating because if you, you look at, you know, Apple, they are so powerful passionate about focusing on three or four priorities at a time. And the genesis of that was one of Steve Jobs' first jobs was to prune apple trees uh, at a farm, at an orchard. And that's where he saw the value of saying, you know what, you grow in too many different directions and you don't, things don't go well. And so that's why he was so insistent that Apple just focus on three or four things at a time and do them well. Versus, you know, letting a thousand things, um, you know, ideas bloom, but never be able to be
2: brought to fruition. That's amazing. We're going to take our final break here. We'll be right back with Jones Laughlin. You're listening to the Work Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: Today, every business is in the software business and business is booming that's because we live in an application driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day it's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage where applications aren't just part of your brand they are your brand all of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, Transmitters, satellites, and receivers. All powered by the most transformative force in business today. Software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at one 472 5790 Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance.
2: And we're back with Jones Laughlin. Jones, I've certainly appreciated uh, you spending the time with us uh, today and talking to us. Uh, and you've got this new book coming out, uh, Always Growing, and that's coming out uh, right now for in January 2017. So uh, can we have a little preview of, of what's coming with that?
3: Absolutely. Um, Juggling Elephants, my, um, uh, well, my, first, my, my first book, was all about how to, to manage this work-life balance by looking at your situation like a circus and uh, process. Uh, people found great value in that of being able to look at the circus and go, okay, how does that tell me I could help improve uh, where I'm spending my time and energy? And so I took that same uh, approach when I wrote Always Growing. And Always Growing looks at leadership from the standpoint of being a, a gardener, a grower of people, if you will. And so it's written as an analogy, as a fable, and it follows the story of of David who is uh, new in a leadership position he's going wow what have i done I-, I want to be successful but i really don't know where to start and he begins to uh learn some some really unique ideas about leadership from his sister who uh runs a commercial gardening and uh, fruit operation uh near his near his home and and so he begins to learn that, you know leadership is all about growing other people and and just like growing a successful plant um that's how you grow people you create the right environment. You give them the resources they need. Uh, you cultivate relationships. Uh, there, you, you sometimes have to prune uh, your own schedule or activity or all the things you're working on, so that you can really focus well on what you're doing. Kind of like we talked about a moment ago. And, and then you need to take more opportunities to celebrate the accomplishments of, of the individuals who report to you, uh, and also those who you know those that you're making as a team. And so whether you've been leading for you know two days or two decades, uh, I believe there's things in there that leaders. To find helpful and just understanding how to improve uh, their leadership ability within an organization.
2: Uh, that's great. And, and a lot of stuff that's, that, you know, continuing to come out about that in, in terms of growing people and, and really investing. And, and, you know, as we continue to grow in, in this profession, as we continue to grow leaders, um, you know, even even Maxwell right? he's, what on his hundred and thirtieth book that's coming out, something of that sort. <laughs> yeah. uh, one question I always like to ask to uh, of authors, people always ask me this question too. They always say, "What's your favorite book?" What, what would you say to that?
3: My favorite book? Oh gosh. Well, you
2: know, let me, I let, would me, ha- let, me, let, me let me rephrase that because I think I made that to the favorite book that you've written.
3: That <laughs> I've written, not read. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, okay. of your books. Oh, my books. Juggling Elephants still remains my my favorite to this point simply because um, I I love the analogy. I love the imagery. I love to see people light up whenever I explain it to them. And and it's just a simple way to deal with a universal problem, which is that struggle of too much to do. So I'd say right now um, Juggling Elephants is being a... It was really a joy to write. Always growing because uh, there's a lot of life experiences that I drew from in, in writing that book. I had a lot of input from uh, great leaders that that I respect. That may not have the the name or the title uh, that some leaders might, but the kinds of things they're doing and investing in their people and growing their their people is just uh, fantastic. And so the the journey to learn from them was good. So so that would be my answer.
2: Yeah, it's always so. The the funniest thing I always find about authors, it's always our last one. It's always oh, our really? Favorite, we, okay. we continue to grow, right? So That's if you true. if you That's look true. at my first book, um, you know, I'm proud of it because that was the hardest one to write. Oh, yeah. uh, but if I go back and read it now, there's things that I kind of disagree with today, <laughs> um, just because I've grown, right? right. I've, I've right. grown true. from that. True. So that was that was dead on for me five, six, seven years ago, uh, mm-hmm. but not so dead on now. And um, so I, I teach it a little bit differently than I would have seven years ago. Um, and that, that's the growth of maturity. And, and uh, to, to hear John Maxwell do it, when somebody brings his first book to him, he goes, why? <laughs> so <laughs> I find that fascinating. Uh, so one, one question that we do ask every guest on our show, and it's one of our favorite ones to ask. Uh, so what is the best advice you think you've ever received?
3: Oh, Wow. Oh gosh! there's so much um, but I'll give you two uh, and um, one of them I think directly relates to work life balance um, when my wife and I first uh, got married, there was um a book by james dobson it's the one that everybody I got married in nineteen ninety it's the one that everybody got for their wedding, and I forget what the name of it was, but it was about marriage and one of the concepts in there said um you know adjust your finances or adjust your your lifestyle so that you can live off of one spouse's income uh and not and not have to depend on both and that was such a a critical uh, thing for my wife and I to do because it enabled me just a few years into our, to our marriage uh, to be able to go out and pursue my dream of, of doing speaking and training and be able to you know um, live uh, comfortably, uh, frugally, but comfortably off of her income while she was teaching and and then once the business had grown to the point where she could um, you know be home, which was one of her goals to uh, uh, be a part of, of our children's lives in a really special way. Uh, but that was just incredible advice that to this day. I look back on it and said, you know, I wouldn't have been able to, to do what the things I'm doing uh, if we hadn't been able to develop a lifestyle on just one income. So that's, that's one. I've got to give you another one. And, and this one that, that, that just recently I got it's really revolutionized my thinking. I, I just finished reading a, a Creativity Incorporated you know, about the story of Pixar, and there's a great phrase in there that the, the author gives, and it's um, be wrong as fast as you can. Uh, wow, you know uh, that has so helped me because I'm a procrastinator. Uh, I'm afraid of change, even though I teach change. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons I think I teach and train on change is I'm my own lifelong project in managing change. Uh, but <laughs> be wrong as fast as you can. I mean, isn't that a great phrase. Um, it is? Because we all just hold back. We're fearful. We're afraid this won't be perfect. We're afraid it won't work out. Uh, but be wrong as fast as you can. Go ahead and try something. And get that information, then we can start building in John Maxwell's book of uh, failing forward and all those things. But you know, be wrong as fast as you can. Go find out, because then you can make a decision about where to go next.
2: That's that's fantastic. It's very it's it, coming back to agile. It's a very agile concept yes. as well. So yeah, agile talks about fail fast and fail forward. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like those both. And you know, people always ask me what what the best advice uh, I ever got was, and that came from from John Maxwell, and that is to to every person that you encounter and everybody that you know is to ask them what the best advice was that they ever received. Wow. So that's, yeah. that's putting that into action. So again, Jones, we, we certainly appreciate you coming uh, on the show. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. We, we certainly uh, enjoyed having you and, and look forward to, to possibly hosting you again when, uh, when uh, growing. Uh, uh, again, it's uh, Always Growing comes out in January.
3: Well, you're very kind, Rick. I've so enjoyed my time, and thanks for the message that you're sharing with uh, your listeners and through print. Uh, there's never too much information out there about work-life balance.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and if you want to find out more about Jones, it's www.joneslaughlin.com or at uh, Jones Laughlin on Twitter. You can email him at info at com as well. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to have Chase Morrow. Chase Morrow is actually uh, one of my great friends goes uh, all the way back to the early stages of my uh, career. Uh, we started in recruiting together before I got into project management. He is revolutionizing the recruiting industry. He doesn't even really want to call it recruiting, uh, with a new application, new web base uh, called GetFetched.com, uh, and he's going to be out here. Uh, uh, Sharing his story, he is a serial entrepreneur. He is he has started and sold more companies than than I know what to do with. But uh, Chase is a phenomenal individual. You're not going to want to miss that show. And then coming up after that, I'm going to be at CA World in Vegas again. So those listeners that are part of the CA family, please come find us. And again, we're looking at potentially doing the show live from uh, Vegas uh, while we're out there at CA World. So for everybody in the family, uh, we love you. We we appreciate you listening. A shout-out again to Winston Price, our executive producer, who makes all of this happen. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week on the Work-Life Balance. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.